And in case you're just tuning in this morning, all morning long, we're talking to parents that are raising children with chronic illnesses. For more information, you can go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there now. We're talking to Sumi. Sumi, her son, was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Heather has multiple children that are diagnosed with chronic illnesses, I should say. Keith has a two-year-old daughter diagnosed with juvenile arthritis, and Lisa has a 16-year-old daughter diagnosed with sickle cell. Now, I'm sure you guys have a very busy lifestyle. Uh, you talk about doctor's appointments and, you know, um, therapies and things like that. Okay, so now let's add in the fact that you have a full-time job too. Lisa, how do you make that work? I know that's a big concern for you. How does that work? Well, um, I have to first say I've been truly blessed with really good employers. Um, I'm currently employed. I'm an insurance adjuster. Um, so I work for an insurance company that allows me to work from home essentially anywhere um, with a laptop. Um, I just take my laptop with me and my headset. I can call customers, attorneys, or whoever with as long as I have my laptop and my headset. Um, but other than that, they have, you know, good policies as far as work-life balance. I know for a fact, though, that that's not the same for all parents with children with chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. um, I also have a nonprofit organization for sickle cell, and I encounter a lot of parents that are not even able to work because they can't um, get time off to, you know, attend to all of the doctor's appointments or just the general pains that come along with the disease. So while it may be okay for me, there are a lot of other parents in the community that don't have it as lucky, and I just don't know. I mean, it goes along with, you know, company to company as far as how they handle that. Um, and it wasn't always like that. I had one employer or one boss in another company. Uh, we had something called Permission Sick Family, which is a bank of time, and it wasn't a, a limited amount of time for you to be able to take off when your family member is sick, but he told me, that he couldn't always give it to me because other other employees weren't using it like I was. Um, so I had to use vacation time to take off when she got sick or what have you. Mm -hmm. Whereas my next manager said, um, he called it a couple words and didn't agree with him and told me to take permission sick family and take care of my daughter. Mm -hmm. So it just depends. Same question to you, Keith. I know you work full-time. Yep. What are the challenges of having a child with a chronic illness and working full-time? Is that a challenge for you? It's a challenge for me. I also, before all this, um, right now I have a real good employer, to your point, and they're real flexible and work with me. But before all this, I, I worked a full-time job and a part-time job to, you know, kind of take that load. You know what I mean? And but my part-time job was something that I did that I enjoyed. It was, um, I did mixed martial arts for 10 years. So when she got this illness, I was like, I, I got to turn the corner somehow here. I got to get a bigger job. You know, I got to get something that narrow it down, you know, narrow down my responsibilities. And, uh, so that was a challenge for me at first, but working full time, um, scheduling and finding time to do things as a family, as a whole, that's tough too because um, my son, I have partial custody of him. So when he's with us, we want to have, you know, make the best of it, do family things. And he's at the age right now where he's 11. He wants to be with his friends, you know, he wants to be the cool kid. Mm -hmm. So that that's challenging for us. Um, but I think like 
to your note with the doctor's appointments and the therapy, my daughter goes to physical therapy, occupational therapy. She has vision tests because she's so young. Um, arthritis can actually attack her uh, vision and have swelling behind her pupillary gland so she can essentially go blind if it gets really bad. So we have to constantly monitor that. And um, so working full-time, having a kid with a chronic illness and, you know, trying to find that good balance, it's scheduling and, you know, trying to keep everybody happy is it's a huge challenge. So you just got to roll with the punches as best you can. All right. So, me, what about you? How do you feel about that situation? Do you work full-time? And So I, um, I do not. I When my son was diagnosed in kindergarten, my husband and I had – kind of an interesting scenario where every day we'd sort of negotiate. We were both worked a good 50, 60 hour a week and had pretty demanding jobs. And my parents took care of the kids. Well, when uh, my son was diagnosed, it was just, they were, my parents were overwhelmed because it's their grandchild. It's a little bit different emotional connection. And so uh, we quickly made the decision. I took a three month leave of medical leave of absence with FMLA and decided after that, that I was going to stop working and stay home, which for me was pretty challenging. I would describe myself as a terrible stay-at-home mom because I can't sit still. I like to be doing things. Um, And I find a work environment is very, very mentally engaging for me, which is a big part of when mom's happy, everybody's happy kind of Mm -hmm. part of the equation. Um, So I was able to quit working and stay home. We had to make some lifestyle adjustments. Um, Alternatively, though, over the last seven or eight years, I feel like it's given my husband the opportunity to really grow his career substantially so that the loss of that income has been able to be something we were able to absorb and adjust to and not so challenging. Um, But it, I recently actually just went back to work part-time. I call it a little teeny tiny part-time job because my son is now 15. He's in school all day for the most part. Mm -hmm. And he's old enough that he can manage his own care Mm -hmm. too. And so um, with the with appointments and things, I can still manage. I can take time off whenever I need to. I just don't get paid for that time. Mm-hmm. But I only work about nine hours a week. But it's just enough to give me a little bit of personal professional fulfillment. And I my goal is actually to go back to work full time, not necessarily for financial reasons, but just because I really enjoy working. It's yeah. personally fulfilling for me. Um, That's good. So as my kids get older, I'd like to be able to do that. But I know a lot of parents that I think suffer from the same types of challenges that Lisa was talking about. It really depends on who your manager is. And I think that that can really be a make or break for people that work full time and being able to get that time off that they need to go manage their child's care. Yeah, my wife struggles with that. So her, she works at a great place. Don't get me wrong. She's been there for a long time and it's a smaller company. And I guess smaller companies don't offer FMLA. They have to have a certain number of employees. Mm -hmm. So I actually had to take the FMLA policy out, and, I mean, General Electric is where I work. I work in GE Aviation now, and they are very good at family-oriented stuff, just anything to do with your family. You know, they always stress family first. And so for my wife, same challenge. She, you know, she can't take off, but if she does, it's unpaid, you know. So there's mm-hmm. there's that financial gap that we have to try to cover. So I usually work Saturdays and every once in while work a Sunday, kind of make up for that. So I know where you're coming from. And again, in case you're just tuning in this morning, we're talking to a panel of four parents who are raising children with chronic illnesses. I'm Rodney Lear. You're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. You can also listen to the show on podcast. You can go to Podcast One or you can go to the iTunes store and you can listen to the show now there 
Now, you mentioned this. Um, Lisa mentioned this. Keith, you mentioned this. You talked about, and, and Sumi, you mentioned this as well. You talked about siblings. What impact is this illness having on your children? What is that like, and what does that make the family dynamic? I'm sure that changes things as well. Let's talk about that. I have a 12-year-old also. Okay, Lisa. And she doesn't have um, sickle cell, the trait, or anything. She's just a normal kid. Um, But sometimes, you know, she misses, um, like Keith mentioned, how you kind of nurture the child with the illness a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You have to specifically make sure you spend that one-on-one time with your other children. You have to make sure you make them feel special as well because they love their sibling, you know, no less than anything else, but they still get jealous a little bit Mm -hmm. just because they're kids. Um, They'll protect their sibling. They'll, you know, they want to comfort them and and coddle them themselves as well. Um, But as a parent, you just have to be mindful of the fact that they need a little bit of extra attention too, even though, you know, what, what the child with the illness is getting is not necessarily attention it's the care they have to get because of the disease that they're dealing with. But as a kid, you don't understand that concept. And you shouldn't have to, actually. I don't think you should. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just try our best to make them feel special, do little special things with them, spend time with them. or let I let my daughter go spend more time with her friends when she wants to than probably... Well, probably then my mom would like for me to, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, we just have to try and create a different kind of bond or a different relationship, a a special relationship with that child as well. Mm -hmm. I found that, um, I've been participating, this is Sumi, I've been participating in a study with my son who does not have Crohn's disease. Um, he's 13 years old now with Children's Hospital and they've been working with Live Well Collaborative over in the Clifton area. And it's been a really fascinating study where they've been asking us a lot of questions about our everyday lifestyle and um, understanding how they want to understand children's hospital as well as liberal is trying to figure out how does having a sibling with a chronic illness impact the sibling that's otherwise healthy. Mm -hmm. And so we've been going through a series of conversations around this. And one thing that's come out of these meetings that he and I, it's been something we've just, the two of us have been doing together. Oh, cool. So it's kind of an, you know, one of those Mm -hmm. personal relationship building opportunities. But one of the things that came out of it was that at the time that his brother was diagnosed, my younger son was only three years old. And I felt at the time, I didn't even think about taking the time to explain to him what was actually happening when his brother was in the hospital, we would, I mean, we'd bring him in to visit and they'd play the Xbox and they'd spend time together. But um, we never really explained to him what Crohn's disease was mm-hmm. until, I don't know, maybe he was 10 years old. And it it just wasn't something I ever thought to do because he never seemed like he was worried about it. And as part of these conversations in this collaborative, we've realized, I've realized, and I was really devastated to realize how scared he was that first five years mm-hmm. of not really understanding what was happening. And I've also learned he also has a significant fear that he is going to develop Crohn's disease. Mm-hmm. When his stomach yeah. hurts, he'll ask me, is this Crohn's? Right. And, I, and I'll say, no, no, baby, you just have a stomach ache. Or, you yeah. know, maybe it's gas or whatever it is. It's not, it's not the same thing. And so it's really um, been eye-opening to me to realize that sometimes – you know, building the relationship is important, but also educating the other kids mm-hmm. about yep. what it is that that kid, the other sibling has and how it was identified. And, you know, 
if there are and honestly being really open with him, there are a lot of families where you have multiple children with autoimmune issues. And I've been very open with my son explaining right now you don't have anything. Could something happen? Yeah, but it could happen to me. It could happen to somebody down the street. It's not necessarily something that's sitting there waiting and you cannot spend every single day waiting Mm -hmm. for it to arrive. You've got to live your life in the now. Yeah. Okay. Heather. Yes. I bet you have some challenges. I do have some challenges. (laughs) Um, Just again, to everybody's point here is just trying to make that time for each child. Um, I, there was a joke that somebody, not a joke, but there, there are sib shops available um, in Claremont County for siblings of, kids with chronic illness, and I laugh and I say, which child would I take? Because they're all (laughs) chronically ill. Um, But they each have a different, you know, case that they're dealing with. Um, But I think also, like you said, educating them is extremely important. My one daughter asked me the other day, she said, when am I going to get my feeding tube? And I'm like, never. You're you're not going to get one (laughs) because they don't understand. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's seven. She sees that three of her siblings have G-tubes and they're – you know, getting formula in their backpack and they've got to pull the drag around and she's like, oh, when am I going to get mine? Um, so just, you know, letting her know that, you know, while yes, you have the potential because there is this genetic condition that's in our family, um, doesn't mean that you're going to end up with a feeding tube. Um, also, um, a challenge that I've found is um, four of my children have been homebound um, for the most part. Two of them are too young for school. Um, but two are on homebound through the school district. And I found it very um, frustrating and sad to, as a mom in my mom heart that I was lugging around their schoolwork and they were constantly at somebody else's appointment with me doing their schoolwork. And I thought that was so unfair and it's been such a struggle for me to yeah. um, find this happy medium where they're not tagging along to every appointment um, because I don't, I don't have the the respite care or just somebody to come over and babysit at the drop of a hat because I want to go to an appointment with just one child. I never want to go out to eat or anything like that. It's usually a doctor's appointment or a mm-hmm. surgery or a therapy. Um, but just finding someone to sit with the other kid and work with them or whatever, I I usually will end up bringing them with me and doing homework in a waiting room. And so that's been um, tough to just have to do that and know that there are other options out there, but I just can't, yeah. you know, seem to manage that. Or Okay. Keith? My 11-year-old son is an 11-year-old boy, right? So he wants to constantly have fun. He's in sports year-round, super athletic, thinks he's an American ninja warrior. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he wants to run, jump, and play with his younger sibling mm-hmm. that has, you know, JRA, and he doesn't understand. So educating them is real important, saying, hey, look, Absolutely. You got to treat her. She can't jump on a trampoline for right. an hour with you. You know, her, her knees can't take that. Her hips can't yeah. take that, you know? And, um, so he wants to rough house around with her, but so for the challenge for him and it falls a lot on me because I correct him a lot and I'm the dad and he's my son type of thing, I guess. And, um, so for me, he looks at me as constantly correcting him and getting on him. And I think it's probably a lot due to his age maybe, but, so me communicating to him that I'm not getting on you, mm-hmm. you know, because it may harm your sister. And I know you love your sister. Right. You know, you <laughs> constantly play with her is is nonstop. I mean, he, he doesn't ever like, oh, I don't want nothing to do with her. He's always playing hide and seek with her, you know, mm-hmm. jumping on the beanbags, going up downstairs, riding scooters in the basement, whatever it is. 
So, I mean, just educating him and having him realize that, you know, dad's not getting on your case, buddy. I'm just, right. I'm looking right. out for you and her at the same time trying to find that right. balance. Right. So. We have the same struggle, my son, with the earrings on the spine. I mean, he can't hyperextend or there's a possibility of catastrophic things that could happen to him. Yeah. So telling a 13-year-old boy yeah. who likes to rough house and build things that you can ramp over and do ninja warrior or whatever, right. it's and he's ADHD and it's uh-huh. just impossible to have him stop and yeah. to for me not to constantly be doing no don't do that you can't do that I know you know I feel so, like the bad guy yeah I feel like I'm constantly telling them yep. to stop or be careful and I try to not live in this bubble but in the same breath we have to because yeah. you know you don't want your kid to break and in case you're just tuning in this morning all morning long we're talking to a panel of parents who are raising children with chronic illnesses. We're speaking to Lisa. Lisa has a 16-year-old daughter diagnosed with sickle cell disease. We're also speaking to Sumi. Sumi has a teenage son diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Heather is living with a chronic illness herself and raising several children of her own who all have chronic illnesses. Keith has a two-year-old daughter diagnosed with a severe form of juvenile arthritis. For more information on the show, you can like us on our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. You can also now listen to the show at any time. Just go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. You can go to the iTunes Store or Podcast One. Now, Lisa mentioned this earlier that her daughter is not truly comfortable sharing with others her diagnosis. How does your child feel about disclosing their chronic illness to others? Are they comfortable sharing that information? Sumi, how does your son feel about telling others that he has Crohn's disease? I have left it up to my son to decide what he's. So up until eighth grade, he's been in the same school. All of his friends have always known that he had Crohn's disease. We do. We are very active at the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation and participate in a number of different fundraisers. And then the Champions Program, he's advocated for the hospital as a child with Crohn's disease. So he's kind of grown up sort of being out, if you will, um, and everyone sort of knowing. Now, I want to say around 13 or 14, he kind of said, I don't really want to have this all, everybody up in my business about what I've got going on with Crohn's disease. And I said, that's fine. Um, I respect that. You, When you make this transition to high school, this is going to be something that's up to you. There's going to be certain things in place for you, like stop the clock testing and accommodations because you have this illness that could be a problem which may or may not even manifest itself. And he and I said, but as far as telling your friends, that is entirely up to you at this point. Um, and I honestly, I could not even tell you if he's told any of his friends or not. I do know that in the fall, I found out about another boy running cross country with him that was recently diagnosed. And I told my son, now listen, don't don't out that kid in front of everybody and be like, oh, I heard you have Crohn's disease. Um, if an opportunity presents itself and you want to share, you can say, oh, you know, I I have that too. Or And something came up where that young man made took it upon himself to say he had Crohn's disease. And my son said, hey, so do I. You know, I've had it since I was in fifth or sixth grade. It's it's just kind of something that's a part of me, but it doesn't define me. I said, I want to make sure you get that message across because Crohn's disease is something that's a part of you. It's not something we can run from. We can't fix it with the diet. Um, we can't cure it, but it's not something that has to define you and who you are. But it certainly the experiences of living with it has made you a better person. And I think other people really can learn from that if you choose and when you're ready. So I really gave that, I gave him that ownership. 
Yeah. I, honestly, I couldn't even tell you. All right. And Lisa, you already shared with us earlier about how your daughter feels about sharing her diagnosis. And Heather and Keith. No. Your daughter's uh, too. So there's yeah, that's good you. advice <laughs> coming from her. It's good yeah. advice. Yeah. You know? No, I just te- teach my kids to self-advocate. Right. I mean, I, yeah. that's more to what I um, try to instill in them is just, you know, if your teachers know what's going on, if you want your friends to know. Right. I mean, obviously, they can see a G-tube. They can see his formula going in. Mm-hmm. They can tell if he's in pain. Um and, you know, I pretty much leave it up to him. But, again, telling him the same advice, don't let it define you. Okay. You are who you are. Your disease comes But second, it's also so. not life or death. You know, mm-hmm. you've got sickle cell. That's a life or death situation. Type yeah. 1 diabetes has life or death consequences if the mm-hmm. people around you. I do, however, think it's really important. Um, I do want to point this out that if he was to go spend the night at somebody's house, I would make sure that the parents were aware of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because we did run into some problems when he was younger where the parents really didn't understand that he needed to be hydrated and eating about every three or four hours or he'd start to not feel well. Mm-hmm. And so um, I have taken it, and I to- I've told him this too, if you are going to someone's house and you're going to be there all day or staying the night, right. I will need to let the parents know just so they're aware. And then you know you have a safe person to go talk to if you're not feeling well. Right. Mm-hmm. End of story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good okay. advice. So let me ask you this now as a parent myself, you know, you think about some of the things that you all are going through. And, you know, to me, it seems all consuming. You know, you have your good days, your bad days, your child is in pain. Maybe they're having a bad day medically. What do you tell yourself and how do you get through those days? Because as a parent, there's nothing more difficult than to see your child in pain. How do you get through that? That has been a huge challenge for me. Just watching your son or daughter kind of writhe and hold their stomach or hold their legs and say they can't walk um, or have a sensory meltdown where you can't stop the action from happening and it's like slow motion in front of you like a car accident Um, and there's nothing you can do. Um, That has been a challenge for me. Um, So just supporting, you know, people in my life that are support system, um, calling on them when I need to and not single, you know, not, isolating myself because that's something I tend to do. It's like nobody else knows what this is like. I'm not I'm not going to call anybody. They can't comprehend, you know. They can't understand what it's like to have two kids on the spectrum that are fighting each other and another kid, you know, crying down the hall and another one crying down the other hall. Um, but good chocolate and wine are definitely helpful. Um, <laughs> and, um, no, reaching out when you need to and not letting not letting yourself or not letting myself – um, become too isolated because it's really easy to do that and just kind mm-hmm. of go in my own little hole and not reach out and mm-hmm. and let people help because people do want to help. They just don't know how. So sometimes I – it's hard for me to accept the help, but I've learned to say, hey, yeah. this is what I need um, right now. Yeah, I think that's, that's my struggle is asking for help. Yeah. So what is it like for you then, Keith? Because, you know, we're coming from this male perspective. You know, we're dad. We got to be macho. But then when you see your little girl, your two-year-old little girl in pain, severe pain, how do you cope with that as a parent? Um, For me, it put things in perspective. You know, for me, um, I was like, I I could care less about myself. I'm going to put my full focus into this little girl. You know what I mean? And my family and my wife. So for me, I put, I put myself on the back burner. I was like, this is this is what I got to do. You know, I'm this is fully focused. But when she has bad days and flare-ups, man, it's gut-wrenching. But you got to stay strong. Like like Sumi said, Heather and Lisa, they all said, you got to put one foot forward, keep your chin up, and keep going. That's your only option. There, you, you know, you, 
You can't give up. You can't. And, but so. it's okay to have a good cry every yeah. once in a while. It's cleansing. Yeah. It can be really, really cleansing mentally mm-hmm. and physically too. Just yeah. letting out, you know, all those emotions and things that you have pent up. Um, I was going to say with my husband, I know for the two of us, I, sometimes with this chronic illness, it can be a real strain on a marriage. And I and I think mm-hmm. for the man, there's a lot of pressure, as you mentioned, Rodney, for the for the guy to like man up or, you know, whatever those phrases are. And I hope I didn't say it that you way. You didn't but. say it that way. But, well, there is, there is, there is societal I, I see your point. Yeah. I'm just messing and, with you. Yeah. And with my husband and I, we really immediately lean on each other. I mean, we have become – we just talked about this two weeks ago on a date night, that this is something that has really made our marriage so much stronger mm-hmm. in terms of – I know he, he knows he can come to me at any time with anything related to this and vice versa. So we really try to lean on each other first. But I have a really solid group of friends, not just parents of kids with Crohn's, but type 1 diabetes and other autoimmune diseases that I will text, that I will Facebook message or I have a private Facebook page where I can interact with other a smaller size group of parents, but people that just get what I'm going through. Because mm-hmm. every day you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. And you need to know that you've got people that if you think that shoe might be dropping – that you can reach out to and ask a few questions of or that can lift you up. All right. Thank you, Sumi. And Lisa, you talked about earlier about your daughter being in severe pain. When she was having that pain, and, and that's when I had to encourage her. Simone actually said, Mommy, this pain is so much, so bad, I can't take it. I, I'd just rather die. And at that point, I said, Simone, we don't talk like that. I said, you know what? When you feel like you can't do anything, the first thing you need to do is pray. And I began to pray for my daughter. I actually took a couple pictures of her, and I always try and advocate or, or share on Facebook what she's going with. Small went viral in December when I posted that at 3 a.m. in the morning. We're laying in the, in the ICU. Um, so, so I teach her to lean on God. Um, you have to have faith in something. Um, everybody doesn't have the same faith, and that's fine. But if you have faith in something, then you know that things are going to get better. You just have to believe and that's what I, you know, expressed to her to help her get through the days when, you know, she's struggling. Okay, good. Anything else, Lisa? One other thing that I utilize that the hospital um, offers is a psychologist, someone outside of our family for her to talk to, to help her um, work through what she deals with and, and the pains and to understand that you're not going to live like you're afraid of doing anything. You're going to live like you're normal, and we're going to try it until it don't work, and and then stop. But a lot of people are afraid of talking to a psychologist or even having their children talk to a psychologist, and there's nothing wrong with that. All right, and finally, this morning, we're running out of time this morning. What's your final piece of advice? If you can give advice to a parent listening this morning, and they have a child diagnosed with the same disease, the same chronic illness your child is currently facing what advice would you give to them, Heather? I would say do your research and um, know that there are um, programs out there um, that are available to you. I didn't find out about some of these secondary insurances. I didn't find out about some of the support groups. Um, I looked in my county for programs. I mean, Claremont County DD services. There are lots of things out there, lots of programs and things to help you um, because you can't do it alone. Um and I would just say it's going to be a journey of advocacy and hard work and dedication and nothing falls into your lap. So you have to go out there and research and find what's out there um, 
according to what your child's condition is. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I just had to piece together myself. Nobody told me, oh, this is available or this grant's available or this program's available. Um, And also, too, um, it's kind of like the airplane putting the mask on yourself first scenario. I think you need to take care of yourself so that you can take care of your family. It's very easy for me to say that because I haven't done anything for myself in months. But (laughs) (laughs) honestly, you need to be well to be able to make everybody else feel okay, too. Okay. Thank you, Heather. Lisa. I just say be your child's best advocate. Advocate for your child and teach your child to advocate for themselves. And trust your gut in that Mm -hmm. sense. So when you're meeting with a physician along that advocacy front, Mm -hmm. make sure that you are advocating for what you also think Mm -hmm. might be needed in terms of care. Because sometimes the doctor is seeing 150 different patients with the same illness and may not remember all the nuances and specifics. Mm -hmm. You know your child the best Mm -hmm. of anybody. Yeah, I would say chin up, foot forward. Speak out about it. Get as much information as you can, and don't be afraid to reach out. All right. Well, we're out of time this morning. I'm sorry we actually ran out of time this morning. Thank you all for taking time to talk to me this morning, and good luck with all you're doing. We're praying for you. Thank you so much for taking time, and I really appreciate you guys um, being open and honest about this. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Again, this morning is our first of a two-part series on parenting a child with a chronic illness. We've been speaking to four parents who are all raising a chronically ill child. For anything that you may have missed this morning or to leave your own comments, visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Head to Facebook, like us there now, and join the conversation there as well. You can also listen to the show anytime. Use your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the show on Podcast One or iTunes. It's under Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. I'm Rodney Lear. Until next week, be encouraged. Coming up next week on Sunday Morning Magazine, it's part two of our two-part series on raising a child with a chronic illness. Finding answers, financial assistance, navigating insurance options, and patient services. Plus, we talked to a young lady who was diagnosed with a chronic illness at the age of six. She shares her story. That's coming up next week. You're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear.